0: Ladies and gentlemen, we are in June, verse 23 through 23. Uh, several things as we introduce this. This, this could be insightful, uh, what's taking place right here. There's three groups of people. And again, I'm going to teach this. I put this into a, a, a system, a, a way of looking at an outline. You can maybe not agree with it if you wanted to. But he's basically addressing three different groups of people, three levels of individuals here. Uh, the first one, I'm going to say they're, they're believers that are, it, it, it says they're doubting. They are they are kind of like, they're hearing certain things about the scriptures, about Jesus Christ, that conflict with what they know, and it's like, well, that seems to make sense. So I'll go through several examples, I hope, uh, in our own time, but it'd be similar to us looking at Genesis chapter 1 in a, in a six-day creation, but then you got evolution right over here, it's kind of like, well, I want to believe the Bible, but man, evolution is it's so scientific, which it, it is not. It, it's it's garbage. But you know, we have that and so now you're doubting the scriptures. That's this first group. The second group is going to be a group that has actually embraced it. They've embraced the false teaching and so now they're they're agreeing with it. Yeah, you know, the Bible's just made up and so what we have is you know, Ezra just made it up in 450 B.C., and it's not really historical. And, and so, so now we've got to find some other foundation, some other truth. And so, well, let's just go with tolerance, and everybody's okay, you're okay. We need to embrace all people. And now they're embracing uh, what we just say, that you're, you're embracing woke. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm a Christian, but, you know, we need to be aware of all these. It's like, well, no, 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 you're, 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 you're drifting. And then you're going to have those over here that we're going to call, I'll, I'll call them lost. Uh, and, and both these are talking about, and they're, they're heading for eternal damnation, uh, and, and the lost are, they're going to be talking about the flesh and the filthiness of their garments, which means they are now, what we'd say, practicing. Uh, theology matters. One of the things you will notice in this, again, this is, Jude definitely has morals, and, uh, and ethics, and godly character. He uses the word godly and godlessness, but uh, the whole book is about the things that you, were handed to you, the, 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 the faith that was once for all entrusted to you, which means the body of truth, this body of information, this doctrine, this, this truth. So you begin with truth, and then from truth comes your application, your behavior. He's not running over here giving you a list of do this, do that, do that, stop doing this, and all these things. It's like, no, 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 that's secondary. What you've got to have is this body of truth that comes from God. It will transform you, it will sanctify you, and you'll be conformed into the image of Christ, and you'll start growing towards Christ. And indeed, there's going to be ethical output from the truth. But there's nowhere in here he's like stops and just chews people out for being immoral. He's chewing them out for having bad doctrine. He's rebuking them for, uh, and, and that's what happens here. They're, they're doubting. Now they're embracing it, and now they're practicing it. And now he talks about them having filthy garments. He goes right back to Zechariah <laughs> chapter three. We'll look at that. And so these are the three groups. Now, along with that, I'm going to add to that. Uh, uh, see, I, I'm going to. This is one, two, three in Jude verses 22 and 23. But I'm going to call them uh, in, and I'll, I'll go through some notes here. Two, three, four. Because there's a first group up here, which we already know. The book is being addressed to the beloved. These are those that are in Christ. They're holding to, and he just got addressed, then addressing them in verses 20, uh, 20 and 21, telling them, you know, build yourself up on your faith, which means the most holy faith, which means the most holy information, which is the apostolic doctrine, the scriptures. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Uh, put your hope, waiting for the mercy of Christ to be revealed. You are the beloved. You, this is how you start building yourself up. That's verses 21, 20 and 21. But before that, verses, say, 17 through 19, and throughout the book, they were told, he is talking, the apostles warned you, these guys are coming. It's like, if we're going to present truth, there's going to be someone come that's going to counter the truth, and these are uh, the heretics. These are the false teachers. And so this is the fifth group. The first group is the beloved. They are in Christ. They are saved but they're being influenced by this, and they're going to become weak, confused, unproductive, and not going to be able to do the service to God at this time in history. There's this other group who are the heretics. They have fully embraced the false teaching. And again, the commentators, they, 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 they say, you know, they, this could be the same group. The lost, they're supposed to approach them with mercy, uh, but, but hating the, their clothing stained by, their, their flesh stained by the, the filthy clothing. That, that I'm going to say, and, and some commentators also, because we don't know. He's talking here in the, in the verses about showing these people mercy. You know, tr- you know there, there's, meaning there's hope for them. Try to help them. But the heretics, as we go through this, I've got some verses, and we've talked about it throughout the book of Jude. There are these heretics that seem to be hopeless. They are twice dead, uprooted. They're shooting stars, heading to gloomy darkness. I mean, it's like, no, they're damned. I mean, they're, they're, they're done. Again, this is me interpreting the scripture. You say, well, no, no, no. No one's totally damned until their last breath. I mean, yes, from the human perspective, no one is over until they're dead. But yet, in the spectrum of of spirituality, someone can, I I would assume, harden their heart, be totally cut off from God, and there's no hope for them. God's just let they, people don't just become hopeless and then die. You may become hopeless at some point in your life. And God says, well, yeah, but I can still use you. And then, you know, extend your life, you know, for five, ten. Look at Pharaoh. He's done. But (laughs) I'm not done. I'm going to use Pharaoh as an example and uses him. So with that being in mind, I've got five groups here. The beloved that the letter's being written to, which is not group two, three, four, and they're definitely not the heretics. Then you've got group two, three, and four, which are individuals that are being influenced by the heretics, which I'm going to say, are hopeless. They're not in this group. Again, as a teacher, they might be group four. They may be the same group. I'm saying they're gone. Now, the beloved are saved. They could be influenced by all of this. Now comes the concept or the thought, the, the consideration of eternal security. I believe in eternal security. I believe once you're a child of God, once you're in the kingdom of God, once you've been born of God, you can't reverse the process of the spirit of God and, and undo the work of the spirit, you are eternally saved. Uh, but that doesn't mean everyone that shows up for church uh, that says they're a Christian that wears a Christian t-shirt is indeed a Christian that has been transformed. You can be, you can be a Christian in any organization but never have a transformation. And so that's where I'm going to draw a line right here uh, between group, this first group that we're going to talk about today. It would be number two in my original list. Uh, these seem to be believers that are doubting. Then they're be, they're, we're, we're being hit by this. I have been hit by this. It's like, what about this? It's like, oh, it does look like it makes more sense. It's like, it's like, wait a minute, you're drifting away. But then these people right here, especially this, this middle group, I'll just say, I'll go back to this now. One, two, and three from verses two, 22 through 23. The second group, they're supposed to snatch them like a, a stick from the fire. Now, the fire can't, I mean, you can, well, it could be, you know, judgment in time. It could be the Lord's discipline in time. You can do that, and, and you should consider that. But in the context that is being written here, this fire is eternal damnation. The fire is snatch them from, the. you can't, you can't snatch someone from God's discipline. If God's going to discipline them for their good, they're going to go through discipline, and they'll be back. But if they're going to the fire, they could be snatched from, not everyone has to go to eternal damnation. So these people apparently right here, if you, if you embrace eternal security, uh, uh, these people, they're either saved and are in danger of losing their salvation, which is an option out there in the world of theology, or they are, have never really been born again they've, they've been around church, and you know these people i mean maybe you can picture in their mind if you can't picture anyone they're there they're out there we know that they're, they're there somewhere I don't even know if I can picture somebody in my mind because you can't judge a person's heart, but I know there's people that are in church, they're going through the motions, and it's finally, it's like, well, this evolution does make more sense. Now we're over here, and now we're embracing all the concepts that evolution presents, that if evolution is true, then, then there must be like different races and people evolved at different speeds, and so there's gonna be a superior race because everybody's evolving, and, and, and it's like, whoa, 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 that's not creation. We're made in God's image way over here, and you embraced evolution, and now you're down to this fault. and it's like, uh, were you ever saved? Uh, no, I would say no, and you're on your way to the fire. Snatch them. Get them over. Give them another chance to hear the truth. And then these people uh, would also be heading toward the fire. So the fact that these these two are in danger of eternal damnation would say to me, number two and number three are not saved, never have been. This number one is saved. Does that make sense how I explain that? Because, that, because that's the question that's going to come up. It's like, are these people saved or not? And again, I don't know. I'm going to say the people that are doubting. Doubting, it also means they're, they're, they're disputing. And the disputing would be in their soul. You know, you've done it. You, you've had an argument and there's no one there. Who are you arguing with? Me. It's like, I, this makes sense, but this, I don't. I believe this. Like, uh, and they're in the state of doubting, disputing, uh, not their behavior. They're disputing the doctrine. Once for all entrusted to the saints is like, I don't know. I think it's maybe different. Well, now, that's what goes first and then becomes, eventually now we're down here with the practicing of total immorality. So within here, what you see is doctrine. We'll say doctrine. Uh, It's the faith once for all entrusted to the saints. And then you're going to get the, the five different groups that are here. One is definitely the beloved. Five is definitely the heretics. Then you've got this group here in the middle that are... God's calling to them, and and he's, it doesn't say God, it doesn't tell you what God is doing in their life. It doesn't say, you know, God is trying to reach them. Jude is telling you, you better go reach them. It's your, you are, you know, the the hands, the feet of God. So verse 17 through 19 is talking about the coming heretics, and then to protect yourself, Verses 20 through 21, what must we do to protect the beloved? You're going to build yourself up, mainly with the idealism, build yourself up knowing the doctrine and protect yourself. Notice right here, when there's heretics, this is not, say, the first thing you do with the heretics, although it's part of it, the debate, this is not just saying the heretics, blast the heretics, accuse the heretics, expose the heretics. It's like, be careful. The heretics are among you. You better build yourself up. In other words, There's a place of attacking the heretics, saying they're wrong, but there's also a place of you better have a little defensive system too and build yourself up. And then versus once you're built up, once you've identified the heretics, once you've built yourself up, now there are others that haven't built themselves up that have been lost, have fallen through the cracks. Go out there and rescue them from, from the heretics. So the Shri groups, the heretics, those that have been built up, the believers, and now comes the rescue mission. So with that being said, uh, I'm going to read, first of all, out of the NIV, just a few of the verses here to kind of get a, a stage for this. Okay. Okay. Um, I'll just begin right where we started to, verse verse 17. But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the men who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. Again, they divide you in the sense that if you all have the apostolic doctrine, if you all hear the truth, the faith that was once for all entrusted, that's where unity in Christ, when it talks about unity, uh, when Paul talks about unity in Colossians and Ephesians, we have unity. Men have unity. Not here, because we're men. We're all going to unify. We're going to unify in Christ. And so instead of us unifying down here, let's all just get along, let's all just agree to disagree, we're all different, let's all be tolerant, That not, that's not the Bible, that's not New Testament, because this is, this, there's chaos down here, there's false teaching down here, uh, you're going to have to divide down here, you cannot be unified with the cosmos, you're going to have to identify the truth, and then as this person identifies the truth, they start growing to Christ, very good, notice they're separating. Now, this person hears the truth, and they start moving towards Christ, growing, hearing, maturing, and now this person, they start growing. Through. So, where unity is where? This is where the unity is at. Down here, you cannot, and this is what churches do. This is what religion does. This is what our culture does. Let's get rid of truth, and let's unify around something in the natural. Let's unify about unity. What is the greatest good? What's the greatest good? Unity. So your God is now unity, as long as we're getting along. It's like, that's not truth. Unity is a product of the truth. This right here is truth. This right here is Jesus Christ. He is absolute, and it's not necessarily a true statement. It's truth. A product of the truth is going to be unity. So you bring unity down here. It's not a truth. It's not something that is valuable. It's not a moral, ethical thing. It's a thing that's been separated from reality, and it's a falsehood. Or maybe it's tolerance. We're going to all just get along. Or maybe it's, oh, yeah, safety. The most important thing is safety. I mean, who wants to be dangerous? Who wants to have a dangerous environment? So we're all going to unify, and we're going to agree safety is number one. If it be... Uh, uh, no guns, all vaccinated, uh, you know, just let everyone have what they want, no violence, this is the greatest good. It's like, no, you, you've lost the truth and you're making a product of the truth the, most, the highest value. Okay, that's a little more philosophical than we want to get, all right. But this is what we've got right here. They say to you, in the last days, there will be scoffers who follow their own ungodly desires, these are men who divide you. They divide you over these issues instead of uniting yourself in Christ. The gospel, the apostolic doctrine, points everybody to Christ, and I will see you at Christ. We are unified on Christ. If we all just went around the room and saw, how are we unified? Well, there's we are so different. Even Tony and I, that's the whole idea of a marriage is we're different and we have to keep working at the differences. Uh one of the things that helps us to unify is Christ. Imagine being in a marriage where one believed in Christ and one didn't believe in Christ. I mean, how would that even be possible? I mean, that, that's tough. But we can't look around the room and say, what do we all have in common? No, we are all here for Christ. And as we grow towards Christ, we get tighter and tighter in our unity in Christ. Nonetheless, these men divide you. They've lost the target, and now they're looking for some natural, if it be safety, if it be tolerance, if it be whatever. they're trying to find something to unify on, and it's causing division. But you, dear friends, verse 20, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Meaning, again, that's, holy faith would be the information of the Bible, so you build yourself up in Bible knowledge, and from that position, from understanding the Scriptures, the Word of God, you pray from that position, which would be in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love, and God's love is Christ, and you keep yourself in Christ, Christ says, you abide in me and and obey my commands, my love will be there. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. In other words, we're not looking for eternity here. We're looking for eternity in Christ. Now, that will manifest in a physical kingdom, but it's going to be Christ's kingdom. It's not of this age. Now, that identified the false teachers. That identified what you're supposed to do. Now, verse 20 2 and 23 for today be merciful to those who doubt snatch others from the fire and save them to others show mercy mixed with fear hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh now all of that has uh, uh, background in the scriptures. We'll take a look at it. Now on your notes, just for your own entertainment pleasure, actually for my entertainment pleasure, uh, this is a from the Bodmer papyri. There's a copy of uh, Jude. In, in involves. It's got verse 24 at the bottom. I try to type over the top of it, try to find some of the words. I identified where verse 24 begins. I identified roughly where verse 23 begins. I, c- I couldn't make sense out of verse 22 and 23 in the Greek. But I did make progress halfway through verse 23. I've got the, the for example, the epsilon kappa right there. I've got that identified. Uh, and then the, 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 uh, the, the pros, you know, first. And it goes, so I've got that identified. And some of the translations I've got there. Nonetheless, that's for my entertainment pleasure. What's interesting about that is that is uh, called Papyrus 22 or P72. I'm sorry, P72. It's from 250 to 350 AD. So this is the book of Jude. <laughs> as a, a handwritten copy from around that time period. Okay, uh, again, there's really no value in that except I was having fun trying to see if I could translate it. And there you can see my efforts. There's also a picture of that same papyrus right there. And that's the earliest copy of, uh, of, of Jude. Uh, now, it's going to show up in Codex Alexandrus. It's going co- to Codex Sinaiticus. It's going to show up. I mean, it's not like... But that's the earliest copy that we've got from what I understood. Okay, uh, first thing on the notes there is the five general groups. I went through that. Uh, the solid believer is what the first one is. Uh, these are the beloved, addressed in verse 20 through 21. Uh, and they're to serve the numbers 2, 3, and 4. The doubting believers. I want to read through this, then we'll go through some of the text. A lot of these things I've already said. The doubting believers, it says, have mercy on those who doubt. Who are these? These are the first... Uh, I don't want to say subclass, but this is the first of those. uh, And again, at any moment, we could be dabbling in that. I could be dabbling in that. When I hear something, you know, scientific or I hear something, a a critique of an interpretation, uh, and I start doubting, again, it's like I'm a Bible teacher, but I grew up in the 60s and 70s where it wasn't even true. And I mean, I, I dealt with a lot of doubt. Uh, And so I was very excited to find apologetics and some things that can, like, sink your teeth into it. And once you got into that, it's like, oh, now it starts making sense. Sometimes they pass it off as this is illogical. You have to be illogical to believe in a God. Well, if you philosophically work that out, uh, there's really only one way things can come into existence. Either the universe is eternal, and it's always been here, which makes it a form of God, but science proved that wrong. In the late 1800s, 1920s, the world is Einstein, Hubble's telescope, all proved that was a rocking time in history. It's like, whoa, this had a beginning. Ah, and that's what Genesis 1 says. Well, so now science says it had a beginning, but it came out of nothing. Now, if you say that in a university in an academic setting with a big textbook, it sounds, okay, let me write that down. But if you say that, you know, in a coffee shop, nothing produced everything. It's like, are you talking about a Disney show? Or are you, what are you talking It's like, no, no, this is truth. It's like, no, that didn't even make sense. So again, um, those are things I had to work through as I went through. So again, this first group, Doubting Believers, uh, here's some things I wrote down. These are the believers uh, who are doubting, I wrote that wrong, who are doubting. Examples today might be some of these things, theistic evolution doubting creation and leaning towards god using the unscientific process of evolution to create everything out of the Bing, big bang while guiding random selection okay because i got this huge problem of evolution and i got to believe that god created it and i've toyed with this how about there is evolution it's unpo- impossible but god used evolution to move the pro- that okay you could do that he could have god could do anything except that's not what the bible says he says he created them, and they produced after their own kind. They didn't evolve, leaping from one time to another kind to another kind. They were this kind, and they produced after their own kind. And again, you can see, if you get into tonight, I don't spend a lot of time with it, but they can find, you know, things that are supposed to be millions of years old, a, a fossil, and it looks just like something that died in your backyard this afternoon. It's like, where's the evolution? Oh, well, it, 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 you know, you've got as much science, probably more science, proving evolution false. Nonetheless, that would be something you'd have to deal with today, theistic evolution. The authority of Scripture, we talk about this on Tuesday nights just in passing. The authority of Scripture, doubting the text of Scripture, was written by the claimed authors, like Moses didn't really write Deuteronomy, and, and Samuel didn't really write anything, and David didn't write anything. Jeremiah was, Isaiah, who knows who wrote Isaiah? Well, if they didn't write, that means these were created sometime during the uh, years of between 500 and, and, say, 450 B.C., uh, the Old Testament was written by some scribes that just artificially made up all. This is huge. There's seminaries that are based, seminaries that you've got pastors in town leading churches, that their seminaries based on this concept of the Old Testament could not have been written by the people that claimed to have written it. It was made up by scribes. Sometime in Babylon, during the Babylonian captivity, they came back and said, hey, guess what we found? We found these documents. Uh, looks like I'm a priest and you give me a tenth of everything you've got. Uh, and all, all, all you guys got to get circumcised, so line up here. Uh, and they began, it's like, oh, great. Everybody line here, Here's my money. And, and they start cutting. It's like, oh, that, 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 that's just one way of mocking it. But it's like, or it could be true uh that that moses was real abraham was real and these are all historical documents well once you go down this road and you do the same thing with the new testament how do we know that jesus said everything he is recorded in the gospels i mean that's what matthew said he said and this is what john said he says but john was writing you know early in the 1800s yet they're still saying john wasn't written until 150 a.d one of the disciples of john wrote the book of john and then, of course, they find the John Ryland manuscript that was written in 115 or 120 A.D. that means, oh, it was written beforehand, which is closer to the time of John. But nonetheless, you get down that, you start doubting the Bible. You start doubting Scripture. So now, I mean, this is something you and I deal with. Uh, doubting creation, the way it's recorded in Scripture. Doubting that Scripture was really like the authentic revelation given by God to man. Um, physical resurrection of Jesus. Doubting that Jesus really did miracles that said all the gospel writers put in his mouth that really returned from the dead to resurrect his body and physically ascend to heaven. We will Easter. Everybody believes in, quote, the resurrection, which is another way of saying we all believe in hope. We all believe in a second chance that, you know, just got to keep pressing on. No, no, no. The resurrection as presented in the gospels and in the epistles that Paul's writing is that Jesus died physically, was buried and in, in a tomb for three days, and then he came back to life. Well, didn't come back like a ghost, didn't come back as, as you know a spiritual being, but came back into his physical body, resurrected the beaten up, scarred, mutilated physical body, came back to life and walked out and says, I've conquered death. If you have faith in me, if you trust me, you will not die either. You'll physically die, but you will live again eternally but also in a physical resurrected body it's like wow that sounds kind of strange can't we just say in our hearts that we all believe in a god that through the process of evolution created everything and some people trying to provide hope for their people wrote some things down about god it's not really true but it gave them some hope and then a man jesus came and gave him even more hope and said some things that we all got to love each other and don't judge the homosexual and this was his main message uh and then you know he says you know i'll come back and everything will be fine and then he died and just kind of disappeared and he says man we hate to lose a guy like that what a great leader let's just you know help everybody out let's just let's just write some disney shows uh about tinkerbell and jesus and that jesus lives and we can add an easter bunny and some christmas trees and just be kind of like a little, keep everybody hopeful and positive, you know? Yeah, I would like to be a minister of that religion. And then you go to seminary, and they teach you all this garbage, and now you're just here with a Christmas time with a, well, what you've got going right now is a children's program. Right, now, right here in churches, you're having a children's program. I'm sorry that we have no children's program today. Uh, but nonetheless, these are those that are doubting, it's something that it's that's that, that's that first group. Uh, these point two on the bottom of page one, these are to receive mercy from you. I, I will mock them, I'll make fun of that idea. I deal with the same thing. But are the, the mature believer who has built themselves up, you need to have mercy. These people are being overrun with false teaching. What is your approach to them? Well, they don't even believe the Old Testament. They don't believe Jesus came out of the tomb. They don't even believe in creation to hell with them. Now God will pull that string when he's ready. Right now, you, it's like, oh my gosh, they don't believe the scriptures? Oh my gosh, what can I do to help you? Ask me a question. Here, here is some proof. Here's, here's some, here's, let me explain it to you. It's like, and I would think, I, you know, to pat myself on the back if I would, because sometimes I come across as, a, as a, a dirt head and a jerk, but that's kind of the whole purpose of Generation Word Bible teaching ministries. It's like, I, I saw churches that were just godless, I mean, in the sense of no Bible. It's like no one believed it. No one knew it. And they all want, people just lined up wanting to believe. I want to believe. And it's like, hey, look, here's a smoke machine. And here's like, oh, look at over here. Here's someone, look at that song. And then we got a light show. And then the pastor's got this great, you know, enthusiastic message. It's kind of like maybe even had a verse on the overhead screen. And it's like, man, we're stupid. I mean, we're totally, we, we've lost the faith that was once for all entrusted to us. And I was in that group from the 60s. And I was in that group of just, Looking for, I remember being a kid and hearing. So, pastor maybe would read like a a verse out of the Bible, and I just again get emotional with me if you want to. But you know, you sit there a da 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 da, and then he'd read a verse out of the Bible, it's like, "Whoa, tell me more." And then he'd go off and springboard to that about a story about his family vacation. It's like, what? You, I almost, I thought I almost heard something there. And it's just and on like that for week after week, year after year in churches until finally. Boom, you heard the Bible being taught. It's like, where has this been? The, the whole nation would be different if churches were just hammering the scripture every week, is my thought. It's like, well, that, some people wouldn't come. <laughs> well, then wh- let them go. Why would they're not interested in the Word of God? Then they're not the sheep. The sheep are here listening for the word of God, and you got a bunch of goats in here feeding them you know goat food, and the sheep are going, where's where's the word of God? It's like, and they're all lost, and on mercy, I thought, My gosh, I found it, I'm going to start telling it. And so, again, I'm not bragging about myself, but I've experienced, you know, one, the judgment, you know, judgmental, but also, my gosh, these people are doubting, they don't even believe the Bible, they don't even believe Moses was real or Adam. That Adam wasn't a real person. I mean, if, but I believe in Jesus. And Jesus died for the sins of Adam's fall. Well, Adam wasn't real. How did Jesus die for something that wasn't real? It's just a made-up story. So God sent Jesus to die for a fabricated story that Ezra made up in 450 B.C.? That doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. So either Jesus isn't real, or you've got to embrace the text of Scripture. Nonetheless, show mercy to those. The next group... The falling individuals, once you get into that false doctrine, it's like, okay, I don't believe in creation, I don't believe in a physical resurrection, I don't believe in the authenticity of Scripture, but I am a Christian. Okay, all right. Uh, Theology matters. What do you believe? Well, I believe we evolved. I believe that God loves everyone. I don't believe that there's a hell, because God would never do that, because I would never do that, because now God is being created in my... I would never create a fire and send people into an eternal fire. So I'm sure God wouldn't either, because my God would never do that. My God. So now you're creating your own God, and now you've got rules. You got to come. Now you're gonna to have to apply your theology. And here it comes. Uh, these are called uh, save others. It says Jude says in verse 23, save others by snatching them out of the fire. So those that are doubting, show them mercy. Trying to get them back in the truth. Others are actually embraced that falsehood and are now heading to the fire, heading towards damnation. And you're going to snatch them out of the fire, like a branch out of the fire, uh, called here, I call them falling individuals instead of failing believers, or failing individuals instead of failing believers, merely because how can you rescue them from the fire if they're already saved, you see? Again, so if they're heading towards fire now, they've either lost their salvation or they were never saved. And that's another theological question. I'm of the set that, They had to be failing or failing uh, individuals, not failing believers. They would be the first category. Um, These apparently are believers who are in danger of losing their salvation or individuals who have thought about Christianity, been around Christianity, can speak Christianese, but have never placed faith in Christ or repented of their sins to trust in the Lord's work on the cross. They've been to all the church activities. They've been to all the children's programs. They maybe even run the smoke machine for the church services. Uh, but they've never really repented of their sin. they never re- repented of, of being in the world and come to Christ by faith. They maybe even know some verses. They probably teach Sunday school. Heck, they probably got a Sunday school class they're teaching. Uh, but they're, they, they don't know. They've never come to Christ. And so now they're over here. Now it's they're heading towards hell. Your job is to snatch them from hell is going to start with doctrine trying to get them back over here to truth the next step is going to be very tragic is these are lost individuals which would be the same thing as the the failing individuals but these have actually now just like we talk about theology if you embrace true theology it should start transforming your life you should be living more like christ today than you were five years ago ten years ago because you're growing more and more the word of God is trans, your theology is changing. Your theology is telling you this is wrong, this is right, and you're starting to form that way. Now they've embraced a false theology, they're, they've completely been steeped in it, and now their theology teaches them certain things uh, about the world, about their own nature, that leads them to uh, uh, a, a, a sinful life. And I got point three. Uh, they, uh, under their lost individuals, they're, they're have, they have come. They have accepted the doctrines of the heretics and are practicing the corrupt lifestyle promoted by the heretics. It could be uh, one of two things anti, boy, I try to spell this, antinomianism. Or it could be, oh, here's another word. I better look at this one. This has got some C's and S's in it. Asceticism. And it's like, asceticism. Can you copy it? Is that right? yes thank you thank you thank you antinomianism is is what we'd say immoral you just you're, you're just sensual asceticism is identifying that the world is evil that flesh is bad and so you stop doing good things things that god created to be good you reject them it could be food i don't eat that kind of food which is really a challenge to some of the, the ideas today. You're rejecting the goodness of God. God created things that are good, and you can be flying in the, you could be flying in the face of God by saying, I don't eat that kind of food. Now, if it's chemicals, if it's bad for you, if it's got too much sugar, uh, that, okay, yeah, that's unhealthy. And if it's for health reasons, that's uh, understandable. But if it's, it's something that God created that is good, in fact, Paul prophesied, following doctrines of demons, they will abstain from certain foods. And who's teaching this? Demons. You abstain from uh It could be marriage. Uh, marriage is itself, or sexuality in the sense of, of the act of sex is itself. God created it. It's good. It's enforced in, in, in the scriptures. But now this is, we're too holy for this. You've got screwed up doctrine. The world is created good by God. It's got a sin to it. But you can't embrace as long as, especially Paul tells Timothy, especially when you're giving thanks to god these things are good when kept in the right order so asceticism is rejecting the goodness of god and becoming very what we say legalistic or ascetic immoral would be a classic case of this and and we're talking about when reading irenaeus you know and, and this comes up in 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 his he's attacking gnosticism but they've got a whole, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. And he's making it ridiculous by trying to get all the details of their, their crazy theology. But basically, you can have people that are coming from two directions. Uh, let's just say, uh, uh, we'll just say the spiritual and the animal. And uh, these people that come from the animal... Have a, 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 this is not the correct terminology, but they would have this fallen nature that if they're going to please this God, which isn't God, it's some angelic eon, aeon, whatever, fallen, they've got to follow a bunch of rules because they're not pure. But if you are of the people, and these were all the leaders of the Gnostics, would all be this group here, you are spiritual, you came from a completely different source. see the evolution here even in there they evolve from this side they evolve from this side you are pure in spirit so you really can't sin now i know you're stuck in a body but understand your spirit is so far from your physical body that anything you do in your physical body like that can separate you from your pure spiritual condition i don't think so so eat drink and be merry whatever you do in your body it's in fact you're actually promoting the concept of your position in this pure spiritual state of just doing all the things that these people can't do because it would corrupt them you can do them and look still pure i did all these wicked sexual sins and look at me unaffected it's like well that's who, who would teach that that's what Irenaeus is fighting that is sweeping through the churches of Rome and Asia in the second century. That's, that's called Gnostic. It's like, and you say, well, I would never, I've never heard anything like that before. Uh, we wouldn't do that today. Oh, my gosh. Do you really want me to go down there and explain? It's like, it's like there's people that, if there's no standards, and, and, and one has got to find his own truth. Now, you may be, if it's fine with you, and you want to be a Christian and you've got these Christian values, uh, that's fine, Christian morals. They would say, that's fine, that's okay. Not really, because they're going to attack you. They're never going to say okay. They're never going to let you be tolerant. But they're going to say, I found my own truth, and my truth is proved scientifically, which means nothing, because it's just their emotions. This is another word, scientific days, another word for emotion or wannabe or fantasy. And now I'm sinning, but I'm bringing glory to God because this is how God made me. It's like, okay, no, no, no. You just created your own truth. Yeah, in your, in your, in your theology, you're fine. But the thing is, this is all fictional. You don't even have a God or an end. You don't even have judgment. You're, all yours is going to be forced into this reality over here, and you're going to be found judged. And that comes up to this, this next group right here. They have thoroughly embraced it. These are lost individuals to others. Now, watch it talking about this kind of a group right here. These are not people that are doubting. These are not people that are accepting, trying to neutral or, or uh, balance out their theology with the world, uh, and are, are accepting of this kind of a thing. We're not going to do it, but I don't want to be judgmental. These people have gone into it and are practicing either extreme asceticism, like living in a cave, only eating you know raisins or something for thirty years. Or they're completely engulfed in the sensual world. Uh, lost individuals. This is what he says. To others, show mercy with fear. You're still showing them. What about these? Well, they're. I'm going to judge them. They're terrible. Well, no, 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 no. You're right, right, right. That that's your theology. But you, the, your theology says they're messed up. In fact, he's going to use the word hate here in just a minute. But they need mercy. Now, how are you going to show them mercy? Uh, I mean, that, that would be the spiritual God. You know, if nothing else, prayer. I mean, prayer. It's like, well, watch, let me show you. Here's what he says To others, that'd be this group here, show mercy with fear. Now, that's not yours to come and try and say, boo, you're going to go to hell. You know, I'm going to scare them into heaven. It's like, no, that's you. You're going to show them mercy, but you, you better be afraid. I mean, you're dealing with some heavy satanic doctrine and satanic practices. So be merciful. But man, I mean, get a safety belt on you and make sure you're, you're, you're built up in the faith, you're built up in prayer because you should be very afraid of that person. Not, not that person, but that, that what they've embraced. Well, I'm just reading what Jude says. To others show mercy with fear. See, show mercy, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. And so now you've got garment, stained and flesh. And what is being said here, this both this the second group where it says snatch them out of the fire, that comes from Zechariah chapter 3, and this follows up with Zechariah. So just like always, we can see right here, all of Jude has always been quoting a text then making an application, quoting a text, you know, or referring to a text. Here, this text right here we'll look at it is Zechariah chapter 3, and the garment In Zechariah 3 and here is tunic. And a tunic in Zechariah 3 is an undergarment. It is underwear. Okay? It is what you wear under your clothes, right next to your flesh. Stained, which he gets out of Zechariah, is human waste. It's it's yeah, it's it's waste. Human waste. I'm trying to think of a word to write on the board that wouldn't cause people to shut off the live stream. Uh, uh, but you know, what I, we're all adults here. Uh, I don't know what I'd say if I was teaching a high school or middle school youth group. Uh, I might even say something funny. But anyway, you, I don't need to entertain you. But this is their garment, which is supposed to be like righteousness, is stained not infused by the holy spirit but stained with human waste this comes from the body their garments are stained and their flesh is now defiled meaning uh, what they're made in god's image they're made to glorify god their flesh their body as a believer is the temple of the holy spirit but now their flesh has human waste on it from a garment that has been stained by human waste uh it's like, these, these people are, it, this, is, this is totally disgusting, smelly. It's like, and they're over here rejoicing, saying, ah, oh, look how good, this!" like, oh my gosh, if you just look at it from this other perspective, you're rubbing yourself down with human waste, celebrating on how free and joyful you are, it's like, that is how twisted your theology is, the doctrine of the demons, that you're celebrating in this human defilement of human waste coming out of your soul uh, and that's as he says right here this, this next group right here uh, I I put him in, I call them the third group here first, second, third to, tho- to others show mercy that person needs mercy but the thing is that all makes sense to them and if you get too close that same doctrine that twisted them into this thinking it, can't, serious, it can make sense to you no, that's stupid. Go spend some time. Go to the university. Sit in some classes. Go to some rallies. Have coffee with them. Have them explain. It's like, huh. Oh, and stop reading the Bible. Stop building yourself up in your most holy faith and start listening to this. It's like, I would never go there. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. This is, this is, I don't want Tony to hear this. Cover your ears. I guarantee you that if I stopped renewing my mind, I stopped looking at the Word of God, and I went over here and started dwelling with this filth, I'd be like, yeah, it's all starting to make sense now. Huh. Yeah. It's like, you, you, Gaylord, you would never do that. Oh, right. You, what? I'm so special. The whole, his, Jude, Jude is telling me. He says, to others, show mercy with fear. Because you will be just like that if you don't approach that carefully. You can't just run from them. Oh, I don't want to see it. It's like, well, someone's got to help them. And maybe it's not me, but someone should. And, and as you help them, it's like, it, they're going to, you're going to share with them? They're going to share with you. It's like, it's like street ministry. I want to tell you about my God. Okay, but I'm going to tell you about my God. Oh, be careful. You're about ready to hear some very enticing false doctrines. And again, reading Irenaeus, for example, I've been doing this last week. We're, we're a less than 100 years after the time of John. We don't even need to go to Irenaeus. We can go to John chapter, book uh, second and third John. I mean, John is still alive in churches that Paul started, Timothy's ministered in, and now John is minister, trying to minister in, and they've kicked him out because he doesn't agree with this. It's like, holy smokes, this can unravel fast. Ah, this is Jude writing, not in 1950, but 50 55 ad i mean paul's still writing letters and these are where the people are at uh, these are those who have come to the church heard the teaching of the false teachers who are teaching in the church so they didn't go to some satanic cult somewhere they came to church and the churches are in people's houses at this time there's no church building there's no mega church there's no parking lot there's no outreach ministry there's no children's ministry there's the house church. And there's a false teacher in the house church. They've come to the church. They've heard this teaching. They've accepted it. They've started practicing it. They came to the church. They heard the teaching of the false teachers and heretics and have embraced their false message. They have not responded, and they may have never actually heard the true gospel. They did not respond to the true gospel, but they responded to the fake gospel, some kind of false. There's hope in it. There's a message. There's theology. What came first in church history was the theology of the heretics was written down. The the heretics were the first ones to decide what was scripture. This verse will work. This book will work. We're going to throw this book out. And all of a sudden, when they started debating, the heretics would quote parts of Paul's Colossians and and parts of the book of Luke or something. And then you'd counter them by saying, yes, but it says in here in 1 Corinthians, oh, oh, yeah, that's not scripture. Well, you said Colossians was, oh, yeah, that is, but this is And so now the heretics have a Bible that you've got to work with, but they've twisted all the scripture. So the church says, well, what's the scripture? Well, it's the writings of the apostles. And so then they had to figure out what, what the scripture was. Then they had that taken, and then they said that the, the heretics began to explain Jesus, the Son of God. Oh, the Son of God. And they first went through and explained the Son of God. The church says, well, that, that's not right. What does that Well, Jesus, he's the Son of God, prophesied Messiah coming out of the Old Testament. It's like, oh that's what they're saying. Well, what do you say? I don't, well, Was he man? Well, yeah. Was he God? Well, yeah. Was he half God, half man? I don't know. i would never done the mathematical equation. Well, they have. They say he's 100% God and only took on human flesh for a brief moment in time, that he was a man until the Holy Spirit came on him, then he became the Messiah, and then the Holy Spirit left right before he said, oh my God, my God, why did you forsake me? Because the Holy Spirit left him, and he was just a man dying on the cross. So Jesus really wasn't God, except he had God for a while. He kind of like anointed with the Holy Spirit. Huh. Well, that wouldn't work because sounds good, but there's some problems with that. Yeah, you've denied the deity of Jesus Christ. He wasn't the creator, right? Oh my gosh. Well, are you a Gnostic? Or are you going to follow the apostles' teaching? Well, I didn't know that was a question. It's like so. sometimes now we got to start developing this theology. Ah, then all of a sudden the Trinity. Trinity. Well, there's just God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Everything's fine. Well, are they three? Well, yeah, but are they all God? Well, yeah, so they're all one. Right, so three is one. What kind of religion are you in? It's like, I'm following the teaching of Paul. So Paul believes in God that's three, there are three gods, are you a pantheist? What? I don't know. Well, the Heretics, we figured it out. It's like, and then they got their mind, it's like, well, that's not right. And so they, every, everything, it's almost as if, and I can show you again, it's almost like the heretics came up with their theology first, and then the Christians are like, well, that's stupid. What do you believe? We don't believe that. What do we believe? We believe in God. It's like, okay, now, end times. The en- big end time cults. Where were all the end time cults? The 1800s. Jehovah Witness, Mormon, Seventh-day Adventist. Throw the pre-trib rapture in there if you want to. Uh, but then the church is like, well, what do we believe? And then they had the wave in the 1900s, the wave of, of, of teaching eschatology. When is this all going to take place? And how does it all take, otherwise it was just kind of like in the back. Anyway, enough of that. Okay. Uh, point three on page two, it says they have accepted the doctrines of the heretics and are practicing the corrupt lifestyle. It could be unrestrained antinomianism uh, supported by the doctrine. I already explained that. Could be extreme asceticism. Uh, heretical teachings uh, you can see on bottom of page two verse four the reason i put the heretics out as lost and are not saved and are not part of these groups is uh, verse four certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation their waterless clouds swept along by winds fruitless trees in late autumn twice dead uprooted they're not going to produce any for they're done Uh, wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever not might be but has been they're heading there they're shooting across straight into the lake of fire Uh, behold the lord comes with ten thousand of his holy ones to execute judgment on these false teachers or these heretics so that's i pull them out you could put them in the same group that's that's a decision uh you have to make now page three just look right here uh, I've got the verses written out there in Greek. A uh, little bit of exegetical work here. We've covered a lot of things already. Uh, there you see, and those who indeed have mercy on are doubting. So basically on those who are, have mercy on those who are doubting. Judah identifies specific action to be taken towards three different groups of people in the church. The first group is addressed as doubting, the teaching of the faith once for all entrusted to the saints and are considered false teaching. And they are considering false teaching as more logical and more appealing. The three imperatives in these two verses, 22 and 23, are uh, to the doubtless, have mercy, to the failing, snatch, to the lost, hating, have mercy, but hating their clothing, meaning you're going to have to have mercy on them, but you've got to start. So right there you can see mercy, snatching, and hating. It's like that is very dangerous. That's the stuff he says be careful of, be fearful of what, what you're hating there. Doubting, it comes from the word. You can see it right there. It means, like I said before, it means to dispute. It means to doubt. Uh, The basic meaning means I separate, I distinguish, I discern on thing from another. I doubt, I hesitate, I waver. So they are wavering between two thoughts. And we all do that. Anytime you see something scripturally or it's attacking scripture, you're like, uh, and you think about it. I mean, you you, you should be thinking people. Um, The focus on the opponent's Okay, da, 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 da. okay, verse 23. Uh, save others by snatching them out of the fire. And I've got that written down right there. Number two is snatching, it's in the box, and out of the fire. So you are actually going to, uh, it, 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 the first group is you're giving them some kind of doctrinal support. You're trying to debate with them, share information with them, trying to help stabilize their doubting, help them make a decision for Christ. The next group is they are somehow it's, you're saved. Now we know God, here's interesting, God is the one who saves. The Lord Jesus Christ saves. But these, Judas telling these readers, others also save. You save them out of the fire by snatching them. Again, it's God who's saving, but you are the church. And these people he, he died for, you're, you're saving them somehow by snatching them out of the fire. What would that look like? Snatching, uh, if we go back here, let me see if I can see this, verse 23. Okay, turn to page two. No, no, no. Oh, no, don't go to page two. Go to page... Um, point two, both these are internal, uh, in, 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 in danger of eternal damnation. This verse hinges on the reference in details of Zechariah 3, 1 through 5. I've got it written there for you. This is Zechariah. Now, Zechariah, the people have come back from Babylon, Babylonian captivity. They've come back, say, 538. Uh, This is now 520. They're supposed to build the temple. They stopped building the temple. They've lost momentum. And now... Prophets, even they're referenced by Ezra, prophets arise, zechariah and Hei arise and start talking to him. And the priesthood here is in the context right here. The priesthood is in context of Zechariah verse 3. And the priest is Joshua. Now, first of all, his forefathers, the priests that came before him, are the reason they went to Babylon. The priests were losers. They had forsaken the truth. They'd compromised. They were losers. And so there are whole nations in captivity. But the priesthood continues to the line of Aaron. And Joshua now has returned. And he is with Zerubbabel. And he is the high priest. He's got a bad historical or ancestral record, but he is a high priest. But he's probably also got some individual practices from Babylon, maybe some things that he hasn't known the things that he doesn't he needs to learn. Uh, Plus, 538, they laid the foundation. Now it's 520. It's been 16 years, 17, 18 years. Actually, we go all the whole, the travel time and everything, 16 years. And there's no temple. There's no temple. What is going on here? Why is this going on? Oh, we've been busy. We've got excuses. Zachariah is chewing him out right here. And here's, here's the vision that he has. Uh, top of page 4.3. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. This in our mind would be standing before the Son of God in heaven. And Satan, or the accuser, standing at his right hand to accuse him. So you've got the Lord, you've got Joshua the high priest dressed in his garments, of his high priest garments, and Satan is there accusing him. This guy cannot be your high priest. You cannot use this family because look what they've done in the past. They're the reason they went into captivity. This guy's not even taking it serious. He's had 16 years to do it. The man is not living morally. The man is, doesn't know the scriptures or whatever the... This man, you cannot use this man. And, his, and it goes on and says this. He's accusing him. And the Lord said to Satan the Lord rebuke you, Satan. So the Lord says, it's like, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm just going to quote the word of God. Based on God's purpose, the Lord is rebuking everything you're saying. It's like, that's, what, yeah, whatever. I've got another plan. The Lord rebuke you. Here's what we're going to do. Uh, Satan, the Lord has chosen Jerusalem, rebuke you why is this i have got a plan i've chosen israel i've chosen jerusalem i've chosen the priesthood of aaron the one who has chosen jerusalem rebukes you that's not even what i'm doing i have a plan the lord rebuke you is not this a brand or stick plucked from the fire they went to babylon in captivity but because they are chosen i brought them back and put them back in jerusalem so you can say what you want to say about how bad these people are. I know how bad they are. I'm the one who sent them into Babylonian captivity. But I also promised Abraham, and I spoke to Israel through the prophets, that I will bring you back, and I've got a plan. I'm going to create a new covenant with these people eventually. And so he says, I rebuke you. This is a man plucked from the fire. Now Joshua, was that, that's, that's verse, the first part of verse 23, snatched from the fire. Now he gets identified in words that are going to be used in the second half of the verse 23. Now Joshua is standing before the angel, so he's standing before the Lord, clothed in filthy garments. And the word filthy is human waste. When I use the example and I talk to like youth groups and stuff, I've used the, It's like you're in a porta potty, a really stinky porta potty, and while you're in there, all your friends come up and turn it upside down while you're inside, and then they open the door up and you step out with filthy garments. That is the word. He's covered with human waste. Uh, that that's that's not what happened. Not a porta potty youth group joke type thing but nonetheless uh, don't do this at your youth retreat please uh, now josh was standing before the the angel of the lord clothed with filthy garments these are human waste covered on him, meaning his own production and the angel said to those who were standing before him remove the filthy garments from him and to him he said behold i have taken your iniquity away from you and i will clothe you with pure vestments and I said, now Zachariah chips in and says, and I said, let him put a clean turban on his head too. So he puts He says, hey, can you have a new priestly hat too? And, and, and they give him a priest. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with the garments, and the angel of the Lord was standing by. And so that is what's taking place. He's been snatched from the fire, and he's now he's completely absorbed in the filth that led to judgment, but God is able to clean the, the garments. Now in that case... It's standing before the Lord, involves saint, involves the Lord. Zechariah is observing. We're being told by by Jude to snatch people from the fire, but then also have mercy on them in fear, hating even the clothing that stains their flesh. And that's part of being said right there. Amos 4.11 says something very similar. I overthrew some of you as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and you were as a brand plucked out of the burning, yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. So in that case... God is talking to the people in Amos, I plucked you out from the judgment so that you could serve me, but then even there you did not. So you can pluck them out of the fire, but they've still got to respond. They may run right back into the fire as Israel did in that case. Key words in Zechariah 3 and Jude 3 are snatch, filthy garments, flesh. Uh, The second group, Point six has been taken captive by the false teaching and corrupt behavior. Colossians 2.8 says this, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. And that's exactly what they take you captive with this false philosophy, and pretty soon you're living in a way that you can't imagine covering yourself with human filth. The word snatched, interestingly, you want to know this, is the word harpazo, and the reason you know harpazo is is from 1 Thessalonians. Uh, it, it, it translates uh, as rapture. It means to cease, to catch up, to snatch away. In, in Acts, it's used of Philip being you know, taken away. Second Corinthians, Paul was snatched up to the third heaven. And John chapter 10, verse 21, 29, Jesus, no one ha- is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. Uh, and then the, yeah, the, there it is. That's kind of what we're saying. The third group is identified there. Uh, point g at the very bottom the word clothing is tunic which is the undergarments and so that is what is being said here so we got the five groups the beloved we've got two three four stages of decline and then you've got the heretics that are leading everybody astray this whole book is about you've been overrun by heretics hold to the the apostolic apostolic truth The truth that was once for all revealed to you, which is also what we're holding to. The decline is going to be to doubt. It's going to be to accept. And then pretty soon you're practicing their evil behaviors. And these two groups appear to be in danger of eternal damnation or fire this group is doubting hearing all these things from the cosmos wondering and that's why up here in this apostolic truth you build yourself up on this apostolic truth so you're not affected by the doubting we do not want to reject reality we do not want to reject scientific advancements and truth but we do want to have this apostolic truth so we are not misled because not everything coming out of the world of academics is indeed truth And that leads you right down this path right here. It happened in Jude's day. It happened in the Roman culture. It happened in the Greek culture. It happened in the Enlightenment ages. It happens in the modern age. We have some kind of wise, beyond apostolic truth that we're going to embrace. And leads you right down here until you are, uh, right before you go to the fire, you go woke. And there you go. And you live in that reality. And then pretty soon, your false reality catches up with God's reality. And you find yourself in the lake of fire. So have mercy on these people right here and keep yourself built up. I'll pray and we are done. Father, we do thank you for the chance to look into these things. We ask that we would, again, handle them accurately, diligently, apply them to our lives, but also see the call to to build ourselves up, but also to have mercy and reach out to those around us that we can help them see the truth and let your spirit, again, do its work of, of drawing them to Jesus Christ. We do thank you for this opportunity to live at this time in history. We pray for our nation. We pray for our churches in the Western world. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for your time.